you gore fiends and horror hounds this is brett from dimension z joined as i always am by greg of the dead how you doing man doing good how's it going not bad because we're talking about scream 2 which is a sequel and they like to talk about the sequels in the sequel movie about the second one yeah we're gonna get really meta today yeah but holy shit uh scream 2 97 released one year after the original they took a couple years in between this one and the third one which maybe they could have taken a couple more years to kind of work on it but we'll get there one day um scream 2 is extremely interesting yeah it's it's one that i don't hate i always said i like one i don't like the sequels until four but I don't hate two. I, I hate three. But I don't hate two. In fact, there's some scenes in two that I really like that work really well that still have that original feel to it. And then other ones just feel maybe kind of rushed or not as good. I don't know. But yeah, it's an up and down movie for me, this one. I got to say, there's a few of those. Like I remember rewatching uh, Scream 4 before we went to, went to go see uh, Part 6 in theaters. And I was like, I completely forget who the killer is in this movie even like i haven't watched this one in years as i was like oh yeah it's him and them because of like little things they just show you in the movie they kind of give it away yeah and they're spending way too much time with certain characters there should be nothing characters and yeah Oh, oh, the killer has a video camera who else has a video camera throughout the movie yeah but this movie was huge, and, you know, Scream was a juggernaut when it came out. It took over the world. So when this movie came out, they delayed the what was the biggest movie of all time until the director beat his own record. They delayed Titanic to avoid Scream 2 because they thought it would dent their profits too much. Oh my god, Titanic! And this is the 90s, so it would be a VHS! Exactly. That's so funny that Scream 2, like, pushed Titanic, which is, like, still one of the biggest movies ever. Like, it would just randomly still, like, pop up on, like, top charts and stuff of, like, oh, people are downloading this a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how big Scream was in the 90s. Oh, it was so big that, like, fucking half of my class for Halloween for several years were, like, Ghostface. And I'm still holding the torch of Jason Voorhees looking down my nose at them like, huh, inferior serial killer. Huh. Inferior? <laughs> Inferior, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, I had that sick ghost face mask that had the little pump that ran to a heart you squeeze and blood ran down. I love that thing. I wish I still had that. I need to now, because now I love the series, I'm going to have to buy a costume this year. Exactly. All right, but Screen 2 from 1997, written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Wes Craven. These two just do magic together. Oh, really? they really do. And at the beginning of the podcast, I was kind of down on Wes Craven. I still don't love all of his stuff. But I'm coming around to him a lot more, which is kind of weird to say because he's like one of the biggest horror directors out there. And I know that. But for a while, like, I don't really like Nightmare on Elm Street until recently. I didn't like the Scream franchise, but these ones I do enjoy. Good. Yeah. And it still reeks in a good way of like hot upcoming like mega stars like just filling this movie you know what i mean oh yeah um nev campbell courtney cox david arquette uh, like names like jamie kennedy when they were like big back then you have sarah michelle geller popping up in this one jada pinkett smith yeah i know which is wild yeah but i guess that puts us right into this you ready to get in here yes let's record this fucker so it starts with the stab sneak preview. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, her name's Maureen something, and her boyfriend, Omar Epps, right? The actor? Yes. Okay. Right Right off the bat, I hate her character so goddamn much. She's just complaining the whole time. She wants to go see the new Sandra Bullock movie. It, uh, 
instead of this scary movie because she doesn't like scary movies. And she's just like loudly talking down to it, like surrounded by horror fans. Dude, and this is a sneak preview. This is before the movie actually goes live. This is a gift, and you're complaining about it. Oh, she's just rolling her eyes the whole time. She's making little snide remarks to everyone. Everyone's, like, looking at the boyfriend, like, what's up? What's her deal? And he just has to be like, I don't know. I just want to have fun. But they're talking about how horror always excludes all the black characters and everything like this. And, you know, the classic, like, the black characters always die first, which... This, this points out, but does not make an exception. No, not whatsoever. And not later. But our, our cameraman survives. That's good. He plays it smart. Yes. <laughs> and they go in, they get souvenir costumes. They're handing out ghost face costumes for the Stab premiere. And dude, this is supposed to be like just a few years after this. This is wild. Could you imagine? Like, I know true crime movies are a big thing. But not this early and not with this kind of rabid fan base. This is like if there was a serial killer and they had an instant fan base built in and everyone loved them. People were dressing up, having a great time, reenacting moments and everything. Like This is concerning, dude. Hey, get your pogo mask here. You can't see the new Gacy movie without your pogo mask. Get one for your child. Dude, and they walk into the theater, Brit, and it's just madness. Like, beep, there's popcorn flying everywhere. They do the House on Haunted Hill, like, hill, like flying ghost face thing over the theater. People are just running around screaming, pretending to stab each other the whole time. Dude, holy shit. I saw that they had, like, the ghost face dummies on, like, wires, and you see the theater people in the back with, like, pulley systems. I'm like, oh, this is Wes Craven shouting out those great 50s movies that the theaters would do stuff like that, of, like, the skeleton flying down, or there'd be witches and stuff, or, like, they'd pump fog into the theater. Like, just uh, that great cinema of the past. Yeah. Then the movie kicks on, and it's like the opening scene of Scream. Um, some details they get right, like the Jiffy Pop, but then they have her get naked for to go take a shower, which Jada Pinkett Smith is complaining about. Well, yeah. I love, like, this crowd has been, like I said, just monsters this whole time. And all of a sudden, when she starts talking, they're like, shh, stop talking. They've been well, screaming and stabbing and throwing shit. The second she talks, they don't want to hear it. Because they're having fun. She's being like, why is she getting naked? What's that do for the plot? Because we want to see the boobies, Jacob, Jada Pinkett Smith, who is supposedly <laughs> in college in this movie, but looks 40. I didn't think she looked 40. Oh, gosh, she, she does not look like she's in her 20s, though. Oh, probably not. Neither does her boyfriend. Like, they both look like they just got off their, like, 9 to 5 job, and, like, they got a babysitter for the kids tonight. Dude, so... She said she wanted to, she was talking to Wes Craven. She's like, I want to have the greatest death in any horror movie. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you did it. No. Like, it's a cool scene. Like, it's a scene you remember. But, I mean, no. The reason, <laughs> Not even in the Scream series. The reason I love the scene so much is because it's jaded Pinkett Smith getting stabbed to death. And she finally shut the fuck up in this movie. Because at one point, she's, like, yelling at the screen, like... Just hang up the phone at star 69, the his phone number. And everyone's like, shut the fuck up. Let's just enjoy the movie. Do, do you remember when they spoofed this in one of the scary movies? Oh, yeah, where um the guy has his head up to the glory hole and he gets the dick through his ear. Yes. I remember that more than the knife. <laughs> <laughs> but she goes up for some popcorn on her way back in. Her boyfriend scares her. And he's like, okay, we can leave, because she's clearly having a terrible time, but she says she'll stay. But he goes to take a piss. I love the two pissing ghost faces. <laughs> they didn't take their masks off to go pee or anything. <laughs> it's like the world's longest piss, too, because like, he's sitting there waiting and waiting. Then they turn around, and he's like, okay, I'll just go to a stall, I guess. Yeah, he goes into a stall. What is he here in the stall next to him that he puts his ear up? It's like whimpering and like laughing or something he's like oh so does he think someone's getting it on in the stall next to him maybe well he puts his ear up and they a knife comes and stabs him right in the head 
the the odds of knowing that's exactly where his head are, I'm impressed. Oh yeah, they didn't get him in the shoulder, not right beside the head. Spot on. Immediate blood spurred out the mouth. Ghost face now, like dressed up as him kind of, like with his jacket on, goes and sits next to his girlfriend, and on the screen, it's right when the Casey Becker kill was happening and stab. Ghostface stabs her right when she notices the blood all over his hands, and she gets up, but there's people running around fake stabbing each other at this point even, so no one's taking it seriously, stabs her a bunch more times, then she stands in front of the screen, screams and dies. Thankfully, I I was gonna say, are they gonna let this movie play the whole way through until anyone notices, but no, people are like, okay, she might be dying for real. Like, oh, she's really committed to her part, but... One of the greatest parts of the movie. She stands up in front of the screen. She's like, I gotta ruin the movie more. Look at me. And then she falls over. Oh, fuck. Will Smith is coming. Stop. (laughs) Keep keep complaining about her, Brett. Will Smith's gonna show up at your house and slap you across the face. Ow, he just did. He left. How do you know? Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> after a title card we cut to sydney's phone ringing and it's the ghost face voice and she has caller id and she reads them their phone number and address and how <laughs> it's a crime oh shit they hang up i love they're like oh fuck man oh shit dude <laughs> and she's getting ready cotton um the wrongly convicted killer from the first movie who was convicted of killing her mom but proven innocent after billy and Stu is on tv and she's stopping to watch it Hallie's asking her about the party tonight. It's just setting up where everybody is at this point, pretty much. I forgot how much Cotton is in this movie. Yeah, he's in this one a lot. Then the news about the murders last night come on, and oh boy, here we go again. Well, immediately, this is already, it's only the second movie. And our, like, Avengers of Scream, all assemble, of, like, there's a murder, Gale shows up, Dewey shows up, Randy's already there. Sydney's already there. Like, everyone just assembles to, like, we gotta take care of this. Because even the cops are like, this is just a one-off event. There's not a serial killer. Everyone needs to calm down a little bit. No. Everyone knows better. But Randy's in film class, and they're talking about sequels and everything, and they're talking about the stabbing last night. They're trying to make a sequel, and they're going over the rules of a sequel First, the body count's always higher, and everything's turned up, and they're talking about, it's someone's like, it's never as good as the original, and they start arguing about sequels that are better than the original. Brett, they name, what do they name, Aliens and T2, and The yeah. Godfather 2? Yes. Name me another sequel better than the original. Oh, fuck. God damn, man. I'm trying to think. I'd like, I even love that later they go, Empire, but they're like, that's part of a trilogy, and it was planned. It's like, fuck. Um, even though how much I love the original, I gotta say Friday the 13th part two. Okay. I can get with that. I, I love was, the I original. I thought you were going to take the easy route that I'm going to take now. Slumber Party Massacre 2. I don't know. I would, eh. no, I don't know if I would say that. Oh, wow. Okay. I I love two a lot, but that first one, man. I do now, love. You got me looking at my movie shelf, and now I'm getting sidetracked. Back to the movie. I do love though that they they bring up Godfather two, then Randy has to do the impression. Thank you yes. for picking my movie. After Sydney sees him after class, and she's worried about it, and we're introduced to Sydney's new boyfriend, Derek. Oh, and like you said, the Avengers are assembling. Gail's on campus. She has a new cameraman, Joel, because her last cameraman, Kevin, got gutted at Stu's house party. Yeah, and I love he like figures that out halfway through the movie. Of like, I heard what happened to your last cameraman. Um, I real quick want to mention that we have a new wild-eyed Stu knockoff in the uh film class mickey yeah dude to the point i forget mickey's a character a lot of this movie until a few scenes and one very notable scene yeah but in this one he's just like wide-eyed he has like the crazy eyes going on like matthew lillard did but that almost seemed like well matthew lillard is just that kind of actor where like 
Mickey is kind of like, he's definitely like looking up to Stu in this where Billy's mom is Billy, I guess. I maybe, (laughs) (laughs) um, Gail, like I said, is on the scene, this weird, like small time reporter, Debbie Salt keeps pestering her. She's a big fan. Oh, like he's a police are saying it's an isolated incident. And, we're introduced to annoying sorority girls who are just interested in Sydney joining their sorority, I think, because she's semi-famous. But So they're inviting her and her roommate, Hallie, to their party tonight. Oh my god, it's so bad. Of like, this is parts of the movie that take you out of it. Because this feels like one of those like National Lampoon type movies. Of there's like the annoying sorority, and then there's the jocks who have to haze the guy. And then there's the nerd who, like, can't get laid. Yeah, exactly. But they just flit in and out of, like, they literally wandered off the set of Road Trip to be, like, wandered onto the set of this movie. And they're like, no, you're in the wrong movie. Go away. <laughs> Dude, they walk, like, in a perfect line and everything. It's it's, it's too much. It's Mean Girls. Yeah, but not, but mean. I like the Mean Girls girls better. Yeah, they're not as good. But now Dewey's on scene. He's worried so he showed up. Can Dude. I tell you I think a miss in this movie, though? What? Like, Sydney's best friend in high school and Dewey's sister died in the last movie. Yeah. You you might not remember it because they don't fucking mention it once. Like, no. get some of that, like, gut punch. Bring it up once or twice. Come on. Yeah, just like, oh, yeah, my sister. Or I don't even remember what her name yeah. was. But, yeah. Um, uh, Tatum. Tate. Oh, that's right, Tatum. Um, but yeah, Dewey's theme song kicks in. This is, like we said, very fresh off of the last movie, Dewey. Because his arm is kind of paralyzed. It's like always up in a weird position. He kind of has a limp. Like he's running around. Yes. He's trying to run, doing his best. But he doesn't even have a gun in this movie. He's not a cop during this movie. He's just a civilian running around. Because there's several times where he's like, there's Ghostface. I'll go get him. As he like hobbles towards him with like his dead arm with no gun. <laughs> hey, it, he keeps coming out on top. I love Dewey so much. Like favorite character of the franchise. So our new core friend group in this one is Sydney, Randy, Hallie, Derek, and Mickey. That's oh like our God. young friend group. And then we have like Gail and Dewey and stuff like that. Derek is such... It's like if you asked AI to make like the like most handsome like college jock boyfriend. He has like the perfect jaw, the perfect hair, but he's also like his the actor of him of just being Jerry O'Connell can't stop like leaking in because at one point he breaks off into a whole song and dance number, which Oh I know no, we'll get I don't to. want to cover that yet. I know yes. we'll get to, but Derek is so cheesy. Oh, my God, yes. But Gail goes up to Sydney and kind of, like, ambushes her with a cotton interview that he thought was planned out and she agreed to and everything. And it's a big ordeal and everything. And she goes to punch Gail and catches her with a backhand this time. You know, things never change. I just love, yeah, Sydney punches Gail out once again. Love it. I also, yeah, just all of a sudden, Gail's like, hey, Sydney, how's it going? Um, Okay, get the camera over here. Here's Cotton. You sent him to jail for a year. What do you think? Yeah. How is this going to work? Dude, we, we should hate Gail, but I kind of love her. You know, know what I mean? Even still to this day, like, I'm not even like a huge Courtney Cox fan, but the character of Gail, I'm like, I like her a lot. There were, yeah. He's also just so badass, and so much of the movie—it's the same as Sydney Nev Campbell. It's just so awesome to see that. But then we get our Dewey and Gale reunion, and I love this because Dewey has read her book, The Woodsboro Murders, and has all the lines down to the page numbers and everything memorized about himself. She called him like a Barney Fife of this story, like the worst thing you could call someone. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like like narrating them all off, and she's like, "Dewey," he's very angry with her. <laughs> it's so hilarious. That night we have our sorority house party, and back at the actual sorority house, though, Cece, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, is 
the sober sister who stays home in case anyone needs a ride or anything, actually very responsible for the sorority. Yes, very much so. And she has great taste in movies because she's flipping around. She's you know, seeing all this color bullshit. Then she gets to Nosferatu. It's like, oh, a nice black and white vampire movie. I, does she, like, stop on Nosferatu? Is that when she just stops flipping when the phone's ringing? Well, no, she, like, she's flipping around, and then she stops for a minute, and then the phone rings. I don't know. It almost bugs me. I like Nosferatu, too. But I'm like, come on. Let's be realistic here. She's not stopping on Nosferatu. All my sorority sisters are on. I can finally watch the old horror movies I like. Maybe Svengoolie's on. It is Saturday night. <laughs> but she gets the ghost face call, and what do you do? And she explains sober sister thing, and then ends up with a, Do you want to die tonight, Cece? And he hangs up, and she calls her friend. There's a noise upstairs. The friend comes in. They call campus security, but the phone's gone to static. And well, that's a really this, cool thing like that they play with because this is like a cordless phone in the '90s. Of if you got too far away from the base, you got all staticky because she's run outside at this point. So she has to go back inside the house to talk to security, which is just great tension building. I love when you see, like, the other girl goes to leave who's there. And you see Ghostface in the background lurking around and, like, doing his little running thing and everything. Oh, yeah, he just kind of, like, slips in the house real quick. Yeah. But the other one leaves and says, don't forget to lock the alarm, to set the alarm. And then Ghostface calls and says that exact line back to her. Oh, no, he's inside the house. She's looking around and... The phone rings and Ghostface just bursts out of the closet. We get a really cool chase. I like this is probably I, my I love all of the Ghostface chase around the house scenes in all the Scream movies. They're so much fun. I love how like wild and frantic Ghostface runs around and like how the chase scenes always are. Because he's like falling over furniture. He's got he gets hit in the uh, head with a vase of course uh, also a potted plant like classics that just have to happen it's like jason throwing someone through a window but i just love too is just how manic he is running through the house of like his arms never stop flailing yeah because they think this is just a regular person every time so like they don't have that jason or michael advantage just being able to like burst through things like if they have a chance they got to get the person now or they're going to jail well, is this young college kid or a middle-aged woman doing this? I want to know who's running around frantically at what time. Oh, I'm sure there's a million YouTube videos that tell you which one is which, even though they have no idea. My guess is this is young college kid. This has to be Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. But they end up, like, upstairs, and Ghostface throws her out the glass door, which I thought she was falling right there, but there's a balcony. She goes through the glass... Ghostface grabs her, stabs her, and then throws her off of it in a wild kill. Yeah, and at this point, the alarm's going off, so, like, he gets out of there quick, and all the cops show up. Yes, and this is real close to where the party's going on, so everyone sees all the cops driving by and go outside. Well, oh my god. Okay, so this is super close to the sorority party that Sydney's at, and yes. everyone runs outside to go see what the big hubbub's all about. And then Sydney is with Derek and is like, I need to go back inside and grab my jacket real quick. And it's like, oh God, of course. Like you see where this is coming a mile away. There was just a murder. The murderer got away. He's in this vicinity. He's going right to the sorority house. This was probably just a distraction to get everyone out of that house over to the new house. So he gets Sydney alone. Yes. By the way, real quick, have to point it out. Red right hand plan. Yeah, which is much better than what they end this movie with, the song, of it's just, like, generic, <laughs> shitty 90s song that sucks. I, I did put ends to shitty alternative 90s song. I don't know what it is. It's so bad. Like, you know, I, I, like, I'll put on, like, the Killer Clowns song from the Dickies on my playlist. I have Zachary. I yeah. have Red Right Hand on my playlist. That song is not going on the horror playlist. But yeah, like you said, she goes back into the house and everything, and the phone rings, and Sydney answers, remember me? I won't lie, it is kind of like a chilling moment, like the first time Ghostface calling Sydney again. Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? I want you. 
showtime. Yeah, but also, why are you answering the phone, Sydney? If I'm Sid, I, I don't answer the phone already, and I've never had a phone killer after me. Why is Sydney ever answering the phone again? I'd be like, nope, don't care. This is the 90s. If you're somewhere and the phone rang, you just picked it up and said, like, Dimension Z, residence. Nope, nope, never touching a phone again. <laughs> um, Ghostface attacks, or another house chase. Derek gets in, and off-screen is slashed, and Dewey gets there searching. Dewey hasn't been trusting of Derek from the jump when he met him, because he's the new boyfriend. And he's a med student, and just happened to get slashed right where he missed all the major arteries and be completely fine. Yeah, Dewey is always, like, wary of the, like, boyfriend. Because even in, like, what, Scream 5, he's like, how long have you known him? Is that the boyfriend? He did it! Like, you know. Exactly. Um, I do love the thing, though, because they're really trying to set Derek up as, like, he's one of the killers. Because, like you said, every other person is, like, slashed and, like, stabbed the fuck out of by Ghostface. He just happens to get, like, a pretty, like, it's just, like, a superficial wound kind of thing. Like, he slashes his arm and runs away. Why would he do that? I guess because he knew, like, the cops were right there and everything. He was trying to get out. So he's like, here, get away from me, and then took off. And also, like, the killer says at the end, like, one of the ideas that they have. And it kind of fits in with what they do here of like they're trying to frame Derek. Yeah, exactly. He's too all American boy. But <laughs> he he has seen a dead body before. Go on. Because Jerry Jerry O'Connell was in Stand By Me. Oh, okay. Well done. Yeah. At the hospital, Derek's getting questioned. And the police are going over everything, and Gail's there for some reason, and Cece's real name is Casey, and all the names are lining up with the original movie so far, because Casey Becker, uh, Maureen Prescott, all this, and does that line actually follow through at all, now that I'm thinking of it? I know they kind of play with it there, and then, like, Sydney gets attacked, and then they're like, well, Sydney didn't get killed in the original. They're like, yeah, but they're trying to finish what the other one started. It seems like they had, like, a cool idea. And then abandoned it, kind of. Yeah. Because I like the name thing. Like, oh, okay, so we're kind of, who can be next kind of thing. But yeah, they kind of mention it here, and then that's it. And two detectives are assigned to follow Sydney around everywhere. And honestly, I'm glad they do that, because it'd be dumb not to. Yeah, it, it and, and Jack's, like, something I am liking about the Scream franchise is it's not oh my god, there's a horrible murderer chasing us in the woods, please help us. And they send one cop out, like, with a flashlight, like, hey, you over in the woods, what are you doing? <laughs> and is he easily dispatched of? And, you know, knock on the door, knife comes through the door type deal, every time. Yeah, the cops are gone now. There's only one cop in the whole town. No, I like that they play with, like, no, they would have a detail on Sydney. Yes, and she semi-breaks up with Derek, not really, but tells him to keep his distance for his own good, but in reality, like, it's made very clear she's a little nervous, obviously, her last boyfriend tried to kill her and killed her mom, but she breaks up with Derek, like, 20 times in this movie, dude. Yeah, and Derek is not getting it whatsoever, because he just keeps, like, getting more and more, like obsessed with her like in a good way when you're like really like you meet someone new and you're like they're your whole world kind of thing but like he like it's doing i know we'll get there but he dances and sings for her. he gives her the the letters like i will always be there for you he keeps like kissing her even though like you said like i've broken up with you four times in this movie already okay i'll kiss you again oh you're right on track because next we cut to lunch Mickey thinks it might be Randy. He's obsessed with the movies. He was a victim last time. He must have snapped. Oh, um, and what does and Mickey Derek... have? Mickey's sitting there with his video camera that he's obsessed yes. with. And he's always videotaping things. And then Derek shows up while Sydney's eating and dances on the table, like, from Top Gun. And my notes literally say, I hate this scene. This oh is God. the scene the first time I watched this movie, Brett. And... I'm not big on the killer reveal, one of them in this movie, and that's always bugged me. This is the scene. 
I'm like, I don't like this movie. And you know what? I have come around a little more on it. And I thought, you know what? I do like this movie. It's just a shame because I love the first one. But I hate this scene so bad. I despise this scene. This scene should be erased from the annals of history. Get rid of it. Hey, I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm not sure of. I love there is no cure for all. Dude, oh my god. I hate when movie all of a sudden breaks out into a song and dance number and then just goes right back to normal movie. It's like, okay, I get it, director. You want to do like one of those big old classic like um, sound of music type things, like a little homage to that. No, it never fits. This is so bad. Well, it's not a musical. It doesn't go like to where there's a band struck up behind him or anything. But what makes me, me mad is I went to college. I know what people are like at college. People are trying to study for their class, everything. Their class. You stand up, start doing that. Someone's throwing their food at you. Oh, yeah. And it's just so bad. He's a horrible singer and dancer. It's just so embarrassing as well. Like, man, don't do this. Like, I feel embarrassed for you. Yeah, it's it's cringy to watch. But he gives her his frat necklace, like with his frat letters, symbols, I don't know. But like that necklace here. And supposedly that's a big deal. It's like, oh, you never give away your frat letters to some chick. Oh, but it's a it's tradition, but he's going to get hazed later. Like, it's this dumb college shit that they're injecting in here that doesn't need to be. No. Uh, I do love this next scene, because in Scream 1, Sydney goes, I'll probably get Tori Spelling to play me in the movie, <laughs> and we cut to an interview with Tori Spelling playing Sydney Prescott, and we get a scene from the movie, and Owen Wilson playing Billy Loomis, I fucking love so much, and they give him the haircut, but it's like purposely kind of bad and too big, like with the Billy hair and everything. Not Owen Wilson, his brother Luke Wilson. Oh, Luke. Yeah, sorry. Which... Not, wow, the other one. Yeah. Um, it's, I love that the Tory spelling joke paid off. And then I can't see Luke, Luke Wilson's great. I love him in like idiocracy and stuff like that, but he's always played the exact same character. He's, he's always just Luke Wilson. So this is just Luke Wilson with like emo nineties hair over his face. Like, yeah, I guess I do know what it's like to be without a mother. God. <laughs> It's just I love it, dude. I, I love I want this full stab movie so bad. Oh, that would be so fucking amazing. Just see Luke Wilson go throughout this entire movie as Billy. And uh, by the way, I like that Robert Rodriguez directed Stab. Yes, I love that little Easter egg too. Randy and Dewey are discussing the rules of a sequel when they're running down suspects. And I do love these two are like the best to have paired together in a scene like by themselves because it was, well, that would make you a suspect. Or they're well, that would make you a suspect. So let's move on. Yeah, so <laughs> I let's don't not know. Talk about they're this. both like just dumb enough to be lovable. Like it's great when they're together. And yeah, I love both of these. These are probably two of my favorite characters throughout throughout the movies, even though sadly Randy doesn't make it for too many of them. Um, Dewey's my favorite. I love film nerd Randy so much because I identify with him because he says so many things and it's not like how they're like put the film nerd in a movie, but they get like facts wrong. No, Randy's got his shit down. Yeah. Next, we get uh, Joel almost quitting, because like we said, he learned what happened to the last cameraman, but she's talked into staying on. I love you. I, I read your book. I read, I got to the part where your uh, cameraman got gutted, and she's like, I made that up. He only got his throat cut. Throat cut? Uh, gutted? He's still dead. <laughs> And then Sydney's also talking about quitting to her drama teacher, and he gives her this big inspiring speech, and he goes, and to be honest, I don't have an understudy, I'm pretty desperate here, but this is just to establish where our big final showdown's gonna take place, which is pretty cool. No, well, I hate this set. I hate the stupid theater thing of, we get it, Wes Craven, you like movies, you were probably a theater kid, are you reliving, reliving your glory days in college theater, hmm? It's pretty boring. I don't know. I like the setting for it. No. I actually 
I have no complaints oh, about the setting. I have a major complaint later in the movie when we come back to this fucking set. I might have that complaint with you. I'm excited to cross that bridge. Yeah. But then we cut to rehearsal. It's some Greek tragedy opera thing. I don't know. But there's all these people in masks around Sydney and everything. And who else is in there shuffling around with them? Ghost face. I'm just picturing like they've been rehearsing this for a long time. They have all their steps in sync, I'm sure, and everything. You know, like they can do this with their eyes shut. Right. How aren't they all like stumbling and tripping over ghost face like in there with them? I know. It's like, and also, how does Ghostface know all the steps and stuff to kind of keep in time with them? Like, he's at home. I know. Like, he videotaped it. He's at home in his living room practicing, practicing like, Napoleon Dynamite, practicing dancing. Like, fuck, I got that move wrong. I got to spin, then gyrate. <laughs> um, and then Sydney freaks out and screams and says what went on. And conveniently, Derek shows up just a few minutes later, and they half break up again. Oh, poor Derek. Wrong place, wrong time, buddy. You just gotta stay away from her for a minute. They're, get the killer, then you can go back and get your sweet, sweet Nev Campbell. Yes. Uh, we have a crew here together, Joel, Randy, Dewey, and Gail. And this is where Joel leaves for me. He's too freaked out when they start talking about the murders last time. <laughs> and Ghostface calls, because he's somewhere nearby where he can see them. Almost setting Joel up as Ghostface for a minute, because it happens right when he walks away. Oh, very true. And this whole time, it is, well, they set up so many people. It's like they give Dewey the limp and his arms kind of paralyzed. But you're almost like, well, is that like a, it couldn't be Dewey because he has a limp. What if he's faking? Because uh, Randy even brings up like, you got stabbed in the back. Where'd you get that limp from? Dewey's like, nerve damage, asshole. <laughs> I love this because Randy's keeping Ghostface on the phone. While the other two search. And they're just straight up tackling people on cell phones. Anyone on a phone like, what are you doing? Dude, can you imagine? I love Randy trying to banter with like Ghostface because they're like, keep him on the line. And he's like, oh, so um, how you doing? He's like, do you want to die tonight, Randy? It's like, uh, not really. Um, so uh, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> Yeah, he starts using those, and eventually, as this is going on while Dewey and Gail are attacking every innocent person on their cell phone, but eventually, <laughs> Randy starts shit-talking Billy and Stu to this ghost face, and I'm assuming this is, look, spoilers, people, you know the drill. I'm assuming this is the Billy's mother ghost face, it because is. ghost face gets pissed when he starts shit-talking Billy. Because later, um... Billy's mom yeah, mentions like I got a little stab happy with Randy because he bad mouthed my boy. Also, they bring up Pamela Voorhees in this movie as well, of like when they're in the movie class. Which oh, that's a class I, I would have gone to college just for that. Like skip all my other ones. I just want to go talk about movies with other people. Um but Dude, I, up... I took some movie classes. I loved it. I loved like any of my film studies classes and stuff like that. Yeah. But they bring up Pamela Voorhees in that class of like, now that's a good uh, kind of serial killer that you wouldn't expect. And everyone's like, yes, we agree. Pamela Voorhees is very good. Oh, I wonder if that'll come back. But the thing is, just like the original Friday the 13th, if we knew Billy's mom was in play, maybe we'd suspect that. But we don't know <laughs> until it's revealed just like that original Friday the 13th. Well, hi, I'm Mrs. Voorhees, friend of the Christie's. Showing up in the last 15 minutes of, of this movie so I can buy a car. The, like I said, they're out searching for everyone. Randy starts shit-talking Billy, and he's pulled into the van and stabbed a ton of times by Ghostface. Right when people go walking by with a boombox very loud so no one notices. Holy shit. I did. I remember, because we've seen in the... Um, I think it was part five when it's the Randy Memorial Theater that his sister set up in their house where it's like a 50 inch television and a few movies around it. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice. I forgot that Randy died in this one. And also that it's like halfway through the movie or so. And it's like, Oh fuck. Like Randy's just randomly taken out. And he's like brought up still as like one of the big characters. Cause he's one of the originals, but it's like, Oh fuck. They took him out. Like, pretty early in this series i think this was the biggest mistake in scream like history to be honest and i know wes craven also shared that sentiment later like everyone's like man they should have left randy in there i love randy so much 
there's only one other one that I could think wrong idea. And we've already covered that movie, so. Oh, true, yeah. I do like the, the real, like, subtle blood drip, like, that the camera zooms on from the van. Yeah, and I love that um, Joel, the camera guy, because he went, he's like, okay, I'm going to go leave this conversation. I'll come back when you guys are talking about some Disney shit. I'm going to go get some Dunkin' Donuts. He's walking back with his Dunkin' Donuts, and there he's like, who the fuck broke the window out in my van? And he's like, oh, fuck, there's a dead body. And he just does the comic, like, fall over, like he passed out. Very convenient, Joel. You leave right before the ghost face call comes in and you show up once the there's a dead body. Uh, the donuts did it. Sydney's <laughs> in the library and gets an instant message, you're going to die tonight. And she looking around the... But she has two cops with her, remember? So they're looking around at everybody trying to find what's going on as Sydney backs up against the corner and Cotton's there and starts talking to her about going on Diane Sawyer. They're going to give us the whole hour. We're going to make all this money and get super aggressive with her when she says she's not interested. Like, he's going to kill her right there. Well, yeah, he starts, like, at first he's kind of being, like, intimidating, but it just seems almost like that's his personality type. He's just a very intense person. But, yeah, then he starts, like, backing her into the corner and he got, like, he puts a, his hand on her at one point and takes it off. He's like, oh, sorry. And then he starts backing her, like, down the stairs. It's very creepy. Oh, yeah, and, like, anyone who's this obvious we should know isn't going to be the killer, but it's definitely set up for that. Oh, yeah, and it's still, like, I remember, like, Cotton is the one that they always keep trying to set up over and over again, almost. But he's never the one. But they so hardcore try to make it. Yeah, they arrest him, but quickly later at the station, they release him. And this is where Joel quits after his van has become a crime scene, he says. I love that Cotton is like, what are you going to arrest me for? Raising my voice in a library? Exactly. <laughs> Holy shit. And then, like, they release Cotton because they're like, we don't have anything on him. And he's walking by Sydney and gives, <laughs> Cotton gives her his card. Like, hey, get in touch with me. They're like, ah, move it along. While she's crying. <laughs> Um, Gail and Dewey make up, like, and they decide they're going to work together, and they realize that they probably have footage of the killer has probably been at all these press conferences and everything and Joel's tapes that he has. And then they have one of the most relatable lines in a movie I've ever heard. We need to find a VCR. <laughs> so they're in, like, the... What, what would this department be, like? Oh, it's like... The this AV is a... department? I don't know. Like, the radio part with the drama part and all this stuff. Like, the arts part of the college. Yeah, because there's a part of it that looks like, you know, there's where the theater is. There's almost like a newsroom-looking thing. There's, like, recording booths, all kind of film and everything. Yeah. Yeah, they go into this class, like a lecture hall for the VCR. They're down at the bottom, and they're going through everything, and then they start making out on a table, uh... right as another TV starts playing, next to him starts playing the murder footage. Like, this Ghostface was recording it as he did it. But holy shit, Gale just pushes Dewey down on top of the table, and then climbs up on top of him, and Dewey's like, oh, okay! Like, I, I, I like where this is going. This came out of nowhere! Because he even mentioned earlier to Randy of, like, I know what it's like to, like, be after, uh, like, someone that you know you'll never be with. Now, Dewey got her. Yeah. But, dude, when it, it's shown all the murder footage, and then it switches to a live shot of them. And then they look up, like, near the projector thing, and they see Ghostface up there with the camera. And yeah. Dewey takes off after him, chases up after him. But this is where you know, yeah, we have two killers again. Because... Ghostface starts chasing Gale, like, gets down there way too quickly and unnoticed by Dewey. And this is where I say, they're, and like we said, spoilers, I've already said it a couple times. This almost kind of gives it away that it's Mickey, because he's up there with a video camera. Oh! Who else likes video cameras yeah. in this movie, Greg? And not to mention he's one of the only people they didn't try setting up as Ghostface. Yeah, that he's not been mentioned once as like, oh, maybe it's him. Well, it was mentioned, like, offhandedly for, like, a second, and then they never brought it up again. Yeah, get that out of your mind. Yeah. Gail and Ghostface are in, like, this radio room, and she hides in the side room with, like, the soundproof glass wall and everything. As Dewey goes in the other room, and 
Gale seeing this as he's stabbed by Ghostface. Crazy amount of blood, like, smearing down the wall and everything. Like, the glass there. But also, well, it's like, because Gale, like, kind of got herself. I love the, like, cat and mouse she has with Ghostface. Of, like, going between those, like, soundproof, like, wall things. Um, where she like kind of sneaks over here, then Ghostface goes over here. She kind of mm-hmm. sneaks over here. Really good tension building. I love it. Then she gets off, and I love she keeps like going into rooms, and she looks for a lock, and there's never a lock. And at one point, she's like, "Fuck!" Um, but yeah, Dewey's right behind her, but it's soundproof glass, and Dewey, like you said, gets stabbed a bunch. There's a bunch of blood, but I remember that he survives, so I just I was laughing. I was like, "Oh, Dewey, <laughs> poor, poor Dewey." <laughs> yeah, and what do they say at the end? All that scar tissue. Yeah, it, it got him mostly at scar tissue that saved his life. <laughs> like, wasn't it in part five? He's like, I'm ninety percent scar tissue at this point. Yeah. Ghostface tries breaking the soundproof glass and then disappears and I guess takes off to their next location. I love where... how pissed off Ghostface gets here. Because Gale like tips the one shelf in front of the door, so there's barely a crack, and they're like s- swinging their knife all around through the crack in the door. Then they're trying to like break the glass out, which it's not going to break. It, I don't think it's even glass. It's like plexiglass or something. Um, yeah. But I just love how frustrated Ghostface is here. It's like, motherfucker, like, I want to kill you. I see you, but I just can't get to you. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney and Hallie are leaving with the cops uh, to go to a safe location, and Derek's out there as they leave and tells the most ominous line in the world to Sydney, when this is all over, I'll still be here. You couldn't say something less like, I'm going to kill you and survive. He says he says it like that as well. Of like, he says it in oh, like yeah. a dark, scary way. But then Sydney kisses him again, where he, Derek's not still getting the hint. Yeah, but geez, they keep changing their minds. As they drive away, all these guys in robes show up and kidnap Derek, but it's his frat brothers and they're doing some kind of ritual where they tie him to a cross and pour beer on him yeah they poured like they have like a beer funnel going down his pants and he's like oh that's cold and then they're dumping beer all over him and they're like who do you love and he's like sydney prescott and the one fucking frat bro's like did you say you love your frat brothers no i said i love sydney prescott shut the fuck up movie this part right here is another part where i'm like i fucking hate you you're already not as good as the first one, but I'm enjoying you. Now you have to inject this dumb fucking shit in there that I don't give a single fuck about. Also, isn't there a curfew? Isn't no one supposed to be out? They're not taking this one seriously at all. These are college kids. They can do what they want. Woo! Party! Sydney's car hits a red light, and Ghostface, of course, is right there. Just smashes through the window and kills one of the cops. And remember, Sydney and Hallie are locked in the back. The other cop gets out to try to shoot Ghostface as Ghostface commandeers the vehicle, starts driving with the cop on the hood, trying to get him. Ghostface crashes, and, and like this big like stick of rebar goes through the cop's head. He has this wild finger twitch. It's a really cool kill. Oh, holy shit. Well, I hate where like, co- the cop's on the hood of the car, pointing the gun at Ghostface, being like, stop the car or I'll shoot. Just fucking shoot him. Yeah, you missed, though. You hit Sydney or Hallie. But still, you could angle it in a way. You could be like, hey, Sydney, Alex, you could do a hand signal like, you two, get down. You, put what your hand, hand signal? Up. He has a gun in one hand and he's hanging on with the other. How's he get a hand signal? You point and you go down. <laughs> but they have to crawl past knocked out ghost face. Uh, out through the front of the car. Sydney goes to unmask him and then hits the horn with her elbow. It's like, okay, let's not do that again. Just watch your elbow and do it again. I know. We're like, they keep playing with like, I need to know who it is. You should have like, just taken them by complete surprise. Or what you do, you get both of them out of the car. Both of you are out. Ghostface is right there. Grab a piece of rebar or something, one of you. The other one, no, you don't even grab the mask with your face. Poke it with a stick until it comes off. Exactly. Um, they both get out. They're leaving. Sydney goes, I need to know who he is. Oh, my God. Goes back, and he's gone. Hallie stayed at the at the edge of the street. Of course, Ghostface jumps out, 
grabs her by the throat and stabs her a bunch of times. How often have I said I love Sydney so much because she's such a smart character? So many of these characters would just go, I need to go back and see who's under the mask, even though I was just right beside him a second ago. No, she is, would be the one of like, either she would immediately do it or just run away. This is one of the dumbest moves that her character ever makes where they run away like 20 feet. And then she's like, I got to go back. No, that's already yeah. passed. Not her finest moment. At this point, Gail gets out of the radio room and runs into a red-handed, literally bloody-handed Cotton. Goes, <laughs> I found Dewey. I was trying to help him. And Gail, of course, freaks out and runs out of the building. There's some lady on a pay on a payphone. Oh, it's it's uh, Lady Ghostface. She hangs up her phone call, calls for the police, and says, "It's Cotton Weary. He's Ghostface." Turns him in. No, I love that Debbie Salt's like Cotton Weary did it. Oh, like. <laughs> Sydney remembers on her own and running now. She hears that the music is on at the theater, and so she thinks someone's in there that she knows. She goes in, but there's nobody there. She gets in, and there's a spotlight on her and what I believe is Derek's shirt. Am I correct? Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't see that part. There's just a shirt there in the spotlight, like okay. a blue shirt. And then tied up Derek is revealed, and Ghostface is there, too. He goes, do you really want to trust your boyfriend? Don't you know history repeats itself? Then Mickey takes off the mask. Another surprise, Sydney. And tries saying that Derek has been his partner this whole time. And she stops untying him. I get, like, you had to take every precaution available. What do you think? Like, no, this doesn't make sense. Why is he tied up like this? Well, I love that Derek is like, Mickey, you fucking asshole. I'm not your partner. Like, Sydney, he's lying to you. Because Mickey's like, it's okay, Derek. We got her. You can drop the act. And Mickey, and Derek's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> Mickey's a psychopath, though, because he makes Derek's last moments be Sydney not trusting him and then shoots him dead. Yeah, that just shoots him in the chest, and then I love he's like to uh, Sydney, like, he's such a nice guy. Like, how could you not trust his face? And then he starts doing his villain monologuing thing. He's like, I don't want to get away with it. I want to be caught. It's all about the trial. It's uh, entertainment. He goes, I'll blame it all on movies and how I was desensitized. I'll get out one day, and, like, he's just in for this. That's what he wants to be. Oh, yeah, and, like, think about, like, how many huge trials were in the 90s, so they're playing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he starts talking about Billy Loomis was smart, but he missed, like, something. And she goes, you're forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis. I fucking killed him. And then smacks him with the frat necklace. They get into a fight. <laughs> as dead Derek is just raised all of a sudden, as he goes, oh, here's my partner. And Gail's walked in at gunpoint by Mrs. Loomis, a.k.a. What's her name? Debbie Salt? I don't know. Yeah, but I love that uh, Gail comes out at first, and Sydney's like, Gail. And Gail's like, no, it's not me. <laughs> and then this is the most annoying part. Um, when she reveals she's Billy's mother, and... <sighs> Gail's like, it can't be. I read her profile, unless she lost a lot of weight and got work done. I'm like, you'd still recognize well her. You're Gail Weathers. Isn't it where like Sid like she walks in and Sydney's like Mrs. Loomis, and she's like what? Because well, uh, Gail mentions like I've seen pictures of her, and Sydney's like yeah, sixty pounds and a lot of work later. Yeah. Oh, and my biggest thing I hate: how did they meet Brett? They met on Psycho Classifieds. Yes, there's just you can take classified out ads out to go be murder partners. Yeah, because she mentions like there are ninety seven serial killers active uh in america right now and i just happened to find an up-and-comer in uh in mickey and he's like yeah i was a great one you know mrs loomis had to fund all this this seems uh, that first one was such brilliant writing and this feels like the villain reveal on saturday morning cartoons to me and it's just way too many steps below that first one it's so so 90s of like we met in an aol chat room <laughs> but then she shoots mickey mrs loomis but as she shoots him his gun goes off and shoots gail on the way down she's like two birds one stone my motive's a little more simple good old-fashioned revenge yeah just very much just like a Pamela Voorhees thing which they kind of spoiled at the beginning where now you think back to the 
beginning of the movie, like, oh, fuck, they're just doing Friday the 13th then. Yes, she's going to pin it all on Mickey. They start battling, and there's a bottle over the head. Sydney goes backstage, she gets an axe, and starts cutting down oh the stage God. ropes and turns on the effects and everything. Okay, here it is. This is what I hate. I thought so, so okay. Fucking much of... Okay, so Sydney, right here, I get what she's doing, because I love to, because uh, Mrs. Loomis is looking through, like, the bullet hole and sees Sydney come out with the axe and starts, like, chopping the ropes. So lights and sandbags are falling. Smart. Why does Sydney... Okay, and I can even get turning on the music and the special effects, like, noise. Like, it's gonna distract. Yeah. She Dis- goes over... Yeah, disorient a little. Stupid fucking thunder machine thing where it's like a piece of metal with a handle and you wobble it back and forth and it sounds like thunder. Sydney runs over to the special effect and does the special effect. Like, ooh, spooky! It's so fucking stupid. One of the worst scenes in the entire movie is that two seconds of her running over to do the wooka 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 thing of the fucking dumb thunder effect. I hate it so much. It's just them playing around. It's just them being like, oh, let's do this now, too. Like, fuck you. I thought you were going to have the same one as me. I'm glad we have two different complaints here. Mine is that Mrs. Loomis is crushed under a bunch of the foam rocks that fall on people on the stage. And they're foam, and Sydney thinks she got her with it. Yeah, these are foam rocks that you practiced with earlier. They're made to fall, and when they fall, they bounce. Yeah, and Sydney's yes. like, I won! I crushed her under the rocks! Once again, why does Sydney get dumb when she goes to college? I don't know. But Mrs. Loomis is obviously fine and jumps Sydney and they fight over a knife. But Cotton shows up with the gun and Mrs. Loomis tries getting Cotton on her side. Like, you'll always be second fiddle to her because Cotton really wants to be famous. That's like, he's like, so I was bad. in prison, I'm going to be famous now. Yeah. And like, You'll always be the second choice interview behind Sydney. Don't you want to, like, be number one? You can shoot her. I'll say you showed up too late or something like this. And he acts like he's on our side. Like, I bet that Diane Sawyer's sounding real good right now, Sid. And I think he's just, like, buying time saying this. I don't think he's evil. No, but how it's sounding is, like, you're going to do that interview, right? Or do I kill you right now? Yeah, it's it's up to interpretation. But it's so because then uh Sydney goes, uh, you got it, or something like that, and then caught and like I love Mrs. Loomis Loomis's face like drops like uh oh and then she gets shot in the throat. And then immediately yep. Cotton's like, Oh Sydney, I'm so sorry. You know I would never do anything to hurt you. It's you you and me are a team, right? Like I I'm so like I'm a I'm a nice guy. And Sydney's just like Cotton, give me the gun. He's like, oh, okay, sure, here you go. <laughs> Sydney gets the gun, and then we have the Gale jump scare from the orchestra pit. But she's okay. <laughs> and I call, it's like, is anyone else down there with you? Like, no, just me. <laughs> I love like, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. I just got fucking shot. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking at Mrs. Lou was like, is she really dead? Like they're gonna do the this is when the supposedly dead killer comes back for one last scare, but they trick us and Mickey pops back up. And Gale and Sydney just unload the clip into him. Oh, yeah. He gets shot, like, 12 times. And then I love, like, he falls over. And Cotton's like, what the fuck is happening? And then Sydney just walks over and brains Mrs. Loomis. And they all kind of look at her. And Sydney's just kind of shrugs. It's like, just to be safe. And drops the gun. Like, yeah. drop. Outside, it's clearly morning now. This has gone on for a while. And Joel shows up. He's like, me and you, let's do this. I'm Gail Weathers, live on scene, and they're about to report, and then you hear, we got a live one here! Of course we do. As Dewey's being wheeled out on a stretcher, and they even say, like, lucky it hit all that scar tissue. Oh, I love Dewey so much. And he survives another movie after being stabbed multiple times again. I love he's just, like, he's, like, in and out of consciousness, but here I'm like, Gail... Hello? Uh, like, he's just making noises. I love I love Dewey so much. Like you said, Joel shows up like, oh, okay, the killers are gone, I'll come back. Yeah. Gail has her typical at the end of every movie character growth, where she's about to report and, like, make a big story, but then does the right thing, and she goes, I'm going with him, and gets in the ambulance instead of reporting on it. And at the beginning of the next movie, she's reverted right back to where she was before. <laughs> every time. 
But then the reporters are all around Sydney, like, how's it feel to be a hero? She goes, go talk to Cotton, he's the hero. And they're all, like, surrounding him, like, Cotton, Cotton, tell us something. He goes, well, I don't talk for free. Here's my card. We'll work something else. He goes, I will tell you this. It'll make one hell of a movie. Which is kind of insensitive to say, Cotton, with how many people just died. Like, people, America's not immediate, wrong, though. America's immediately going to turn on you of like, oh, well, this isn't like, dad, like, oh, next girl next door, Sydney Prescott, and she's like a feist. She's super feisty and stuff. No, this is like shitty Cotton Weary, who was like, in prison for murder, got out, and now he's just creepy man around town. <laughs> then we have that helicopter closing shot to that terrible 90s song, and credits with our little <laughs> ghost face scare, and that yeah. threat is Scream 2. I'm glad we got to it. Um, because oh, yeah. I reevaluated it a little bit this time, and I realized I don't hate this movie. I just, here's some character growth for Greg. It's fine. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't. I used to hate this movie because this used to be Scream Two and Three used to be on like TNT all the time back in the day. So this is one that I probably seen one of the most. But I remember always hating it. But it was like, well, nothing else is fucking on. I'll hate watch this movie. I actually had a pretty good time with it, other than the few times that I mentioned in the show. Yeah, exactly. It's. It's fine. Now, I will say I've rewatched three recently. My thoughts remain the same on that one. Oh, I haven't seen three in so many years. All right. End of episode, you're referencing Count of the Dead? Yeah, let's get into the Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. All right, throwing more Count of the Dead's retaliate all the deaths in the movie. Where do you think we got with Scream 2? Uh, there was, there was a nice number. Um, I'm wondering if they did the thing, because they mentioned uh, in the movie class about, like, the sequel has to have more death, and it has to be, like, bloodier. So I'm wondering if there's more death in this one. Um, I think there is. I'm going to say 14. Oh, I'm going to say 10. Oh, pretty close. That's great. Scout yeah. of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. Now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. So basically, I'll take something from the movie and I rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Now come up with that thing right now. All right, so Scream 2 is the big college movie for Scream. Yes. And I don't know if you were like me, but there was a time when I was obsessed with all those college movies. I'd love Accepted, like National Lampoon's Van Wilder, you know, Road Trip. I'm, I'm not huge on some of them I like. There was a few years there where, like, I was binging them constantly. So I'm going to do those, like, 90s and early 2000s college movies. Okay. Actually, not even that. I'm just going to do college movies. All right. Um, so a number one college movie, the worst version of a college movie, is 99% of those National Lampoon's straight-to-video shitty like we got paris hilton and we shoved her in this movie and it's like yeah the like rise of taj and stuff exactly bad like there's no creativity whatsoever it's just like oh shit we gotta drink the beer how are we gonna do that we gotta drink beer faster um yeah a number 10 college movie is animal house agreed has to be. I mean, that is the classic. That's where they all came from, basically. It's never gotten better. There's some good ones in there. Like I said, I love Accepted. You know, the uh, Van Wilder is even pretty good. Um, but you can't, like, John Belushi on the ladder, looking at the naked ladies, he gets a boner and it pushes him off the building and he falls. It's hilarious. <laughs> Scream 2 is... Not as bad as I remember it being. I had a lot more fun with it this time than I did before. If you had asked me this like 10 years ago, I would have been like, two. Now I'm going to give it a six. I had a lot of fun with it. There's definitely some parts that took me out of it, like the whole theater drama thing I hated, the stupid song and dance number in the cafeteria I hated. You can kind of see who they're setting up the killers to be. And the other movies hide that a lot better. 
Yeah, I'm actually right with you. I also went six college movies out of ten. Nice. It's, okay. Like I said before, I probably would have said like three or four. No, it's a six. It's worth watching, and I probably will watch it again at some point, just not regularly. It'll it'll happen again, though. No, this isn't going to be like seven years again until I see it or something like that. Like, I could see me like, oh, shit, let's do like a watch all of them in a row or something. And I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck, two. I'd be like, oh, okay, this one has some good stuff in it. Yeah. But unless you have anything else, man. No, I think that's all I got on Scream 2. All right, well, we hope that Scream 2 has left your brain throbbing with horror. Well, wasn't that a wild and wacky episode? If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Um, you can also support the show by going onto our Tee Public site and checking out any kinds of the merch that we have on there. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that TikTok thing those kids are on, and YouTube. Just search Throbbing with Horror and look for our pumpkin. And remember to throb on.